Boy, isn't it great? We get this first Sunday where we begin to prepare for Christmas. We have a whole month, you know, to put things together, get our hearts right, allow God to speak to us, speak to others concerning who He is and what's going on, how it's all supposed to work. It's a wonderful, great day. And today we even have tacos after service, so... That seems real Christmassy, doesn't it? So we'll enjoy that as well. I know uh, various people are helping us out there getting things set up. So today, we're going to start the adventure. And we call this Advent Sunday. And that's the adventure of looking forward to what God has in mind for us this year. We look back and we remind ourselves of what Christ has done when he came. And we look forward to the time when he's going to be coming. And we look presently at the time of what's he going to do this year you know, for each, for each one of us. So we're going to light the Advent candle at the end of the service here today before we take our offering and enjoy that time. But right now... Let's have a word of prayer and ask God to speak to us. Father, today we come to you because we desire to hear from you. Our lives are kind of muddled. Lots of stuff. Sometimes it's hard to get a hold of you in the midst of all this stuff. And so we'd ask that today that you would speak to us. That you remind us of uh, the meaning of Christmas, the meaning of your son's coming. Uh, the meaning of us, what we're about. Lead us today. Help us to understand. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when Jesus was born the very first Christmas, no one expected it. No one was prepared for it. Many were hoping... They knew that it was going to take place, but they weren't ready at that particular point in time. It was totally unplanned. Nobody had set up a series of plans and structures. In fact, it messed up a lot of people's plans. Same with King Herod. He wanted to be king of the Jews. And here these guys showed up and said, we've come to worship the king of the Jews and it's not you. And he wasn't a happy camper about that. The shepherds, you know, they were... They were planning on another quiet night with these sheep. And instead, the angels showed up and shook up everything. Totally unplanned. Uh, innkeeper. So he wasn't even planned. We kind of ran out of space. Boy, if he would have known that the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, was going to come. I guarantee you the best room in the house would have been set aside. But he didn't have any idea. He was like, it's Mary and Joseph, and they're pregnant, and hey... Outside, nice clean hay. Should should be good. Should be good. See, you're getting in to get that picture, understanding what was going on. Everything was totally unplanned. And then probably the most unplanned, Mary and Joseph. Don't you love that? The angel shows up to Mary and says, Mary, I've got, I've, I've got some changes for you. I know you're planning on getting married and raising children and having this wonderful family in the midst of this Wonderful area with mom and dad. You could see the big Greek wedding planned and the whole bit. And she's all pumped up and excited. And he says, he says, I've got great news for you. This day, you know, great news. Today, you know, within you is going to be born this little teeny baby. But it's going to be born without any 
process of being involved with Joseph. You're going to find yourself pregnant with child of the Holy Spirit. And Mary is obviously overwhelmed. You're going to be pregnant before your wedding day. Joseph won't be the father. It's going to be a virgin birth. And by the way, the baby's going to be God. And Mary goes, oh my goodness. I wasn't planning for this. Wow. And Joseph obviously messed up his plans. He goes through a whole series of questions and concerns. And what do I do? And how do I respond? Finally, angel speaks to him and says, Joseph, it's okay. Mary's pregnant. It's true, but it's by the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> and don't worry about it. In fact, I'm going to let you name him. You get to name him. His name's going to be, we all know the name, right? Jesus says his name. Joseph goes, well, well thanks for something. <laughs> wow. You begin to get a picture of this unplanned event. Even the wise men changed all their plans. They had to travel for probably about six months coming from the east all the way over so that they could be here in time and they show up late for the party. At least late in their eyes. A lot of stuff had already taken place. The angels had already had a great time. You know, the shepherds have interacted. Everybody else has done their thing. The wise men show up late. And they're the wise men. What's with that, right? And it's kind of a little humor from, from God, I'm not sure. <laughs> Begin to get the picture, though. When I, when I think of Christmas, I think, how about your plans? What kind of plans do you have in your life? I've got a lot of plans in my life. I, I'm a planner. I like to lay out things ahead of time. But what I found out over and over and over again, that my plans often are not God's plans. And that many times I get so involved in trying to bring my plans to fruition that I lose sight of the reason why I even have these sets of plans. I, I could talk about so many examples where things changed. I was getting ready to plant a church in Northern California and uh, God sent Mary and I to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How many of you even know where soup fall? God sent us there. I said, uh, literally, when they said, Pastor, I think maybe God is... And I'm, like, I'm looking going, are you kidding me? My senior pastor took me aside. You know, I think maybe... I said, where is Sioux Falls? He said, it's, a, it's the big town in South Dakota. The big town means about 130,000 people. That's the biggest town in all of South... I went... Dude, even, even the maps left South Dakota out. They did. Literally, one year, they left out South Dakota in all the maps. That's how obscure it was. And God said, you know, son, very, very clearly, this is where I want you to go. And I was saying, but Lord, you don't understand. I'm supposed to plant a church in Northern California. I know that people, I know the structure, I know how it works. I'm ready. And God very clear. I could walk you through all the things that Mary and I, because boy, we had to make it clear. Well, you could ask Mary, she said, yeah, they'd have to ever be clear. And God said, no, you're going to South Dakota. So there I went. And then I said, okay, Lord, I spent my time there and we did some good stuff and God tied together the uh, church and it was, it was doing, doing well. And, and 
I said, please, can I leave South Dakota now? <laughs> I've been here. I've done what you asked me to do. And it's just not my kind of place. Did I just lose power? Am I good? Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, we're okay. Good. He's just working with it. I knew I lost something there. He's looking at me like, ah, oh, that was somebody changing a few things. Okay, good. Yeah, so as a result of this situation, we found ourselves there and we said, Lord, can we go now? And, I, and the Lord said, yes. Very clearly, you can go. It's set up well. You don't have to spend the rest of your life in South Dakota. We were giving thanks to God for that, okay? I don't mean anything against South Dakotans, but that's what it was. So we got through with that and then I said, okay, Lord, Northern California, right? And he said, Minnesota. <laughs> I said, you've got to be kidding me. I'm freezing to death here. And Lord said, sorry, dude. Minnesota is where you're going. You're going to plant a brand new church there. I'm going, <laughs> okay. And so I went through the next 11 years planting and building and doing all this stuff. And whew, and got that done. It was right time. We said, you know, my wife said, can I please go home now? My wife was born in California, Paso Robles. She'd never left until I took her away to the frozen chosen place. Okay. And oh, so uh, then the Lord called us down here into a situation that we weren't really excited about in all truthfulness. Uh, but after he called us here and then established some things and put everything together, all of it is, was his plan. And, and I say all these things that I want you to understand something. In the midst of that, we found out some things that would have happened if we had moved to Northern California that would have brought destruction into our life. Situations that would not have changed. It was a family structure and some other things. Had no idea, but God knew. You see, God knew. And he was trying to tell me, Lee, you know, I know you're not going to like this, but I've got a better plan than you have. I've got a firm intention, and I want you to follow my plan. You see, a lot of things don't happen the way we plan. They just don't. They don't go the way we want them to go. They get messed up, sometimes because we mess up. Our own stupidity messes up our plans. But oftentimes, it's a providentially caused circumstance that God puts into place to declare this wondrous development, opportunity, direction that he has for us. And that's what Christmas was for Mary and Joseph, for the shepherds and the wise men, for all those who were involved. It was a total change of plans. In fact, when I talk about Christmas, I think of Christmas as this, this is the story of Christmas. You can either partner with God or try it your way. Okay? You can either partner with God or try it your way. And see how it works out. The scripture says it this way. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So what do you do if your Christmas plans aren't working? I, I kind of walked through some of these things here and I came with three primary responses that we need to make. First of all, when your Christmas plans aren't working, when things aren't coming together, perhaps first and foremost, God is simply trying to get your attention. He's saying, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something. And then secondly, more often than not, after he gets a hold of our attention, he begins to lay out for us a different plan. 
He says, I got a different plan for you. It's not the one that you had in mind, but it's the one that I had in mind all the time. And then lastly, he moves us to the place where he says, look it, I just have a few simple words for you. And the words are these. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? See, that's the story of Christmas. And that's the story that we run in today. Let's look at the first one when I talk about God wants to try and get your attention. I think of that as Mary. Mary's case, the plan was so unbelievable, so supernatural, that God had to use supernatural means in order to get her attention to clarify her what it is that he wanted to have done. So he sends an angel down. The angel speaks to her, clarifies God's plan and intention, and she responds to it. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And she was very, very frightened. And I thought, first, my first reaction, she's frightened because of the angel. I thought, no, maybe she knows a lot about angels. She's very frightened because she knows there's a new plan coming. There's a change coming. And it's going to involve something really serious. Say, okay, Lord, what do I have to do now? What do you want of me now? Most of us don't need an angel to determine what God's direction and plan is for our lives. Because it's not that big of a deal. It's a smaller thing that he's trying to move us towards, make us aware of. So God gives us impressions by the Holy Spirit. Gives clear impressions to us concerning what it is that he wants us to do and how he wants us to respond to him. Now when the devil gives you an impression or an idea, we call it a... Anybody guess? Temptation. The devil gets to it, it's called a temptation. And you find yourself, whoa, I just got up this bad idea. Just pops in my head. Where did that come from? All kinds of temptations. When God gives you an idea, it's called an inspiration. I got this great idea. I was up here working with Nassim. He was working in the uh, cove up here, doing a wonderful job. And he's doing electricity. And he says to me, he says, I was trying to figure out what this thing was. And the Lord spoke to me and said, and I went, Dude, about electricity? And then I thought about it. Yeah, about electricity. Before you get shocked half to death. And he said, yeah, God, and I figured out what it was. I'm going, interesting. He sees these impressions and relationship to his work as impressions from God guiding him through the plan that God has for him at this particular point in time. I said, well, that's exactly what goes on in my life on a regular basis. You come in and you say, Pastor, please give me some counsel. And I think, I don't know what to say. I, 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 don't, I don't know what counsel to give you. And I go, okay, Lord. And then he impresses upon me, this is what you need to say. And they, say, and they go, how did you know that? And I go, I'm just really smart. <laughs> no, I tell them, I... You know, let's pray and let's find out what God has to say to us. And he speaks to us and we go, wow, that's great how God is involved in this process of impressions in our life. You see, sometimes God just wants you to listen to him. And it's so hard for us to just sit down and listen. Justin recently went up to, we have a cabin up in Lake Arrowhead. And so he went up for a couple days. It was required by his class. We has to be quiet for a couple days. Okay? And I thought, wow, how's, you have to go up there just to listen to God. 
to what he has to say. Now I'm going to tell on him now. He called me up and said, Pastor Lee, how do you turn on the TV, the video thing? I thought he was probably, we have some spiritual tapes there. It was probably one of those that he was going to watch, you know. This was later. He had his time. It's like, okay, I've heard from God. God spoke to me now. I'd love to hear from, yeah, somebody else for a minute. We have such a hard time, don't we? Just being quiet and listening to what God has to say to us. We're so busy with all these things. We're playing video games. We're on the phone. Why lately I watch everybody's on the phone. It's constant. Never shut it off. It's going crazy. They call it a smartphone. I have other names for it. You're getting the idea, but it's just God wants to speak to you and you're busy. You're on the phone. God says, could I talk to you for a minute? You know, God, I'll have time in about half hour. Really? God wants to get your attention. He will get your attention. Because God speaks to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our problems and in our pains. That's when you'll stop. That's when you'll hear him. When you're on your back, and laying back and saying, oh God, why did this happen to me? God says, well, let me, let me give you a few ideas. Why? You wouldn't listen to me. You continue down that road to destruction. Why won't my people listen to me? That's the scripture. Why won't my people listen to me? I wish my people would listen to me because God wants to spare you a lot of pain in your life and he wants to provide you some clear direction and guidance. He says, yes, there's a path which to each person seems like a a good idea, but the end of that road is death. And I want desperately to give some direction. How many times you had a plan that was a sure-fired, no question about it, it was going to be a total success. And it turned into the exact opposite. Because you don't know the future. You have no idea what's going to take place. Only God knows the future. Only He knows those changes in the roads. Only He can see around the corner and recognize the detours and the roadblocks that are coming up. And can tell you when to go right and when to go left and when to just stop. And when to turn around. God says, listen to me. In the Bible, there are so many times where he says, if you'll do these things, you'll be successful. You'll have satisfaction. You'll gain meaning. Life will be so much easier. But if you do these other things, expect misery and guilt and resentment and broken relationships and anger and worry. Because the result of not following my plan for your life, my intention for you, not because God is angry at us, but because like... My mom used to be when I get ready to cross the road and the cars are going left and right, she'd say, look both ways. Twice. I'd say, mom, it's not a problem. And you step out, whoa, there went the car, just about killed me. I said, oh, I'll try to get, we're over here, we bring these kids across here and they sing songs and they go across the, the, the road. But it's always look both ways, check it out. Where are you going? What's coming your way? And that's God. He's saying, look both ways. Listen to me. Give me your attention. 
So that's what he does to Mary. He calls her up. The angel comes up and says, Mary, I have wonderful news for you. You're going to be pregnant with a child who's going to be God himself. And she is frightened and she says, be it done to me, whatever you desire, Lord, whatever you want. And then she goes up and she runs to her cousin, whom the angel had told her was with child, to make sure this had actually happened. Sure enough, she's with child. Mary's going, yay, she's with child. And she turns and says, blessed be the mother of my Lord and Savior. And Mary's like, oh my goodness, didn't say a word. She already knows. And she says, the Spirit of God has revealed to me the truth of where you are. And then Mary does a Justin Fox. She writes a song. (laughs) She writes a song. And she writes this magnificent song that's all about Christmas and the opportunity for the humble to be satisfied. The opportunity for us to give gifts and that God will honor us as we honor Him. The opportunity to make Christmas a wonderful, glorious time of year in which God is seen clearly and abundantly, overwhelmingly that that is His plan from this time to the end of time. So if your plans aren't working, my number one, my number one thing is this. God's saying, hey, could I talk to you for a minute? And it's time for you to stop and look and listen. That's the story of Christmas. You know, there's a wonderful little clip here that I love. We're going to show right now. It's from a movie that's all about my plans versus God's plans. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. Let's look at this when the plans fall apart. The picture of when we talked about Satan, temptation, and the structure... How well he was played by the, by the banker. You're catching all the implications. And the, even to move into the place of, you're better off dead than alive. And then the result is when he's totally out of options, what does he do? Yeah, he goes to drink. <laughs> and then he starts to pray. And he says, God, if there is a way. Show me the way. Do you think God got his attention? And then he began to move through the process of showing him a different plan. A totally different plan. In his case, he sent an angel as well. Okay. So to speak. Jeremiah 29, 11. I love this verse where he says quite simply, you need to know that I'm planning something for you. I have good plans. Not plans to hurt you. I have plans that will give you hope and a good future. Hope and a good future. My plans for your life are good. A lot of people think, well, if I follow God's plan, I won't get what I want to get. I won't gain what I want to gain. Somehow life will sell me short. And God says, I want to clarify something. If you don't follow my plan, you will be sold short. You will be in for a difficult time. But if you follow my plan, you begin to understand that I made you, I love you, I designed you for a specific purpose. And I put you where you're at for a specific intention. That's why in Matthew it starts off with, this is how the birth of Christ came about. 
And then it begins to talk about Mary and Joseph and shepherds and wise men. This is how God's plan came about. And he desires to have you involved in his plan. And I'll show you a few simple things I've concluded about God's plan. First of all, God's plan for your life is always bigger than your plan. It's always bigger than your plan because God's got a bigger perspective. Mary and Joseph, we want to get married and settle down and have children and enjoy our family. And God says, just a minute, I have a plan. It's a better plan. It's a bigger plan. It's not an easier one, but it's an incredible plan. And Mary says, okay, let's do it. God, here I am. I'm available to you. And he speaks to Joseph. And he says, Joseph, I've got a plan. Mary's pregnant, but it's part of a plan. It's an intention. Are you with me? Joseph says, okay, God, this is tough stuff. But if you're telling me this is what I'm supposed to do, I'll do it. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. I trust in you. God says, great, great, Joseph. Let's start the plan. And he even speaks to Caesar and says, Caesar, I got this plan. I need you to establish a decree because I want to do something that's kind of phenomenal. And I need to move Joseph down to Bethlehem and I'm going to do it in a big way. So the whole world recognizes that I make the whole world's plans. So let's do a census and let's send them down to Bethlehem because that's where I already told everybody my son would be born at. It's a necessity. God had a plan, an intention. God's plan is always bigger. Secondly, God's plan is always harder. I can guarantee you God's plan for your life will be harder than your plan. Never, ever fails. God always says it's not going to be easy. It's going to be harder. Why? Because God is more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. He's more interested in results than he is the fact that we are relaxed. He wants you to grow up and become a person of, of moral character and integrity. Someone who takes responsibility for the life that he has given and helps out other people's lives around you. He is in no way going to take all the problems out of your life because when you face problems, it produces what? Character. And there is no other way. I've never found any other way. I keep trying to find it. Not just for me, but for my children. I do not want them to go through problems. I keep trying to remove the problems. And God says, stop that. They won't grow up until they deal with their problems. And that is so hard for me. I look at God and I said, God understands. And the third truth is when you cooperate with God's plans and God's purpose for your life, you'll have two wonderful benefits. Here's what the benefits are. Significance and satisfaction. Significance and satisfaction. In the eyes of God. In the eyes of God. Joseph and Mary were never seen until the very end as anyone special. They were losers. 
She became pregnant before she was married, and no one ever changed that. And Jesus was the bastard child. And Joseph was the one who didn't do the right thing. Never changed. But that was in the eyes of people, not in the eyes of God. When you cooperate with God's plan, you have within you a great awareness of significance and satisfaction. And you're able to live your life out in such a way that it's full of peace and direction and understanding. And it's relieved from fatigue and frustration and worry. And someone says, how do I know if I'm not in God's plan? I'll say three things. You're fatigued, you're frustrated, and you're worried. People go to, bub, I don't. Take it as you like. Scripture's clear. When you follow God's plan, you find yourself with peace. You find yourself relieved with fear of the future. And you find yourself filled with joy. If that's not happening in you, then you're not following His plan. Begin to follow what God has for you. See, what's God's plan for you here on this earth? He wants you to get to know Him. To have a relationship with Him. To spend time with Him listening and talking and sharing and learning. He wants you to discover and fulfill the purpose that He's placed in your life. Because you were designed with a particular intention in mind. If you were a key, you might be a safety deposit box. You might be the front door. You might be whatever. But you only fit one particular key area. And God said, I designed you to fit this. Find where you fit. He'll say, how will I know? He's already put you where you're supposed to fit at. He's put you in the right place. He's provided you with the right people. He says, now look and listen. And you'll find it. And you'll understand it. And you'll gain a sense of significance. And what else will you get? Satisfaction. You won't be singing the song. I can't get no. You'll find yourself going, I got satisfaction. This is great. God is actually bringing satisfaction into my life. And I have shalom. I have this wholeness and peace that God gives me in spite of these things. In fact, my biggest struggle is not me. It's others that I'm worried about. And that's the change that begins to happen. God's plan for your life. Jesus came at Christmas to help you get ready to get to know God and to enter life. And then secondly, he came so you could know and fulfill what your purpose is. That's why he came. Now imagine you're standing before God and you say, you know, God, I know it kind of sounds funny. I'm here with you now. I just died. Do you, uh, do you ever watch the paper and see all the people who die? The older we get, we don't more we do that, by the way. But all these, you know, Whitney Houston, she died, you know, uh, on, the, on the other side. Andy Griffith died. All these people died this year. There's something like 2,800 famous people died this year. I'm not sure what constitutes famous, but I know I'm not in it. Okay? But all these famous, so a lot of infamous, no, a lot of normal people died as well. Some of them you know. And the question is, were they ready to stand before God and then say, you know, God, when I was down here on earth, it was so great, I was able to follow your plan and your purpose? Or did they say, you know, God, I just, I just, I wanted to do my will and my direction and my plan and, and I did it my way and God says, gee, pulls a Dr. Phil on you. How'd that work out for you? And you're like, ah. He goes, man, I made you with a purpose. 
I laid out a plan for you. You ignored it your entire life. So I want you to look at Mary and Joseph and look what happened to their lives and how wondrous the results were. You need to learn how to trust me, folks. That's his final statement. He's saying, I have a better plan. Once I get your attention, I'll help you understand it. But then you're going to have to trust me because when you get in the middle of that, it's going to be hard and difficult. He says in, in Romans, no one's ever seen, heard, or even imagined what wonderful things God has ready for those who love Him. Wonderful things He has ready. God's plan was so different than Mary and Joseph's plan for their life. All they could do from that point on was trust. God, what's next? I'll send some wise guys. They'll tell you what to do. They're like, really? Off to Egypt? Are you kidding me? We just got settled in Bethlehem. Sorry, it's time to move. I've got a plan. And God sets up the process. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is that scripture there for? Don't you get it? That our life must be lives lived by faith. Trust in Him. Whether we're 15 or 55, it doesn't matter. God's saying, I want you to learn to trust me. Not your circumstances, not your intelligence, not your abilities, not your situation, not your parents. Me. Trust me. Listen to me. Follow the plan that I have for you. Every time your plans aren't looking, what are you supposed to do? Every time your plans aren't working, what are you supposed to do? Look up. Look up. Say, God, what's up? What's going on? What direction do you have for me? Help me to understand this situation. And God says, trust me. I know what's coming up. Trust me. Follow my direction for your life. All these plans get messed up. Think of the, the wise men. They have to give up all this time in their life. And they have to, the shepherds, they find themselves out taking care of these wonderful group of, of lambs that are meant to be the sacrifice for the temple. Special sheep that are set aside without flower blemish because they're going to be sacrificed and these are the special shepherds that are set up there taking care of these sheep that the angels speak to and say hey I know you're watching over those lambs but I want to show you the lamb of God and they're brought into that situation they become evangelists sharing with everybody this wonderful Jesus who was born you see, God has a desire to help you understand your life. First, you've got to know Him. You've got to build a relationship with Him. When you do that, you begin to understand your purpose and plan and direction for your life, your design, your calling. And then you trust Him and He puts you into particular situations that He wants you to have. And that's what Christmas is all about. Trust and listening and following. I have Justin come up here as we... Uh, Get ready. Actually, I'm going to hold you a second because I'm going to do a final shot here, okay? <laughs> Sit back now. He's going to come right after this, this clip we're going to show in just a second here. But I want you to understand, you see, when we talk about God's plan for life, He has something that's far greater than what you think you got. He's got wondrous, incredible plans, and He wants to give you hope for it. There's a few things I can tell you. I don't know much about the future, but I do know this. One, in 2013, God has a particular plan for each one of your lives, a particular purpose and intention for each one of you. He has a desire for you to build, bring about. 
And it's your decision whether you're going to follow it or not. Secondly, God's never going to leave you. He's going to walk with you. Whether you follow his plan or not, he will still walk alongside you. And he'll still try his best to encourage you and direct you. And try to get you to change it. Thirdly, ultimately, the only legitimate, rational way to live is to figure out who God is, who you are, and what his plan for you is. And if you'll do that, you'll find yourself experiencing something like this. Let's watch this last clip. Yeah? Man. Yeah, come on up, Justin. That's cheesy. I keep finding my life, sometimes God is cheesy. He just does these things for us. And he's like, see, Lee? See? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and love. In our life, sometimes we cry out, I want to be happy, I want to be loved, I want to be secure, I want to have peace of mind. And the truth is, that's not what we want at all. What we want is you. We desperately need you to fill up that empty spot in our life. That spot that has caused us to have a sense that we're a failure or we're a fool. And we're not sure why we're where we are. And today we come to you with this wonder of Christmas in our mind and all these beautiful Christmas trees and lights. And we ask that you would light up our life. That you'd change that which has gotten broken. That you cleanse us from our sin. And make us whole again. We believe that you can do it. Boy, we've seen you do it. You are God. And you died so I could have life. And so today I... Ask that you would give me life. Forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me from it. Renew my heart. Change me. I make you Lord today. And I say, Lord, (laughs) I'll go wherever you want me to go. I just want to fulfill my purpose in life. I'll go to South Dakota. (laughs) I hope you guys are saying this truthfully. Lord, we'll go wherever you want. We just want to be where you want us to be. Let your will be done, even today. We pray. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came for us on Christmas Day.